Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll speak with Albany Empire head coach Tom Minaz about winning the National Arena League Championship last Saturday. Week 5 of the Saratoga horse racing season is in the books, and week 6 is underway. And Gazette sports writer Mike McGadden joins me now from Saratoga to talk about the track. And Mike, what's going on? Um, not too much. We're looking at kind of a dreary, rainy week. It's uh, really the soft spot in the middle of the meet, you know, kind of the calm before the storm, uh, which is driver's week next week. Um, so this week it's, uh, you know, kind of quiet around here and we're not getting a lot of cooperation from the weather. It's just sort of humid and gray and got a little bit of spitting rain here and there. Um, but we do have the Alabama coming up this week, which is really cool. And there's, you know, it will feature a very interesting <coughs> rematch, excuse me, from the coaching club, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> coaching club American Oaks, uh, a few weeks ago between Malatha and, uh, Maripuja, who won that race. Um, so yeah, kind of quiet right now, but, um, you know, we'll get past the Alabama on Saturday and then things are, we're going to be back to crazy town next week with yeah. uh, Travers week coming up. Well, let's talk about the other weather. I mean, they're talking some heavy rains coming in Thursday by the time we post this podcast today. I mean, how does that affect the race? I mean, I guess a lot of the race, turf race will go off to, to the main track. Yeah, well, this is, we're, we're on Wednesday's card right now and, um, you know, they, they took three turf races off the off the turf and put them on the main track, but they do, they did want to preserve the stakes races, which were the, um, the recently renamed Jonathan Shepard steeplechase, as well as a turf sprint called the Bolton Landing that they'll run. Um, very interesting. I was talking to Carrie Bryan, who has four, had four horses entered in the, um, uh, in the Jonathan Shepard, and she won the AP Smithwick uh, earlier in the meet for her first, um, you know, big win as a trainer grade one and um uh you know i talked to her on the phone on tuesday just to check in so we could you know get her wednesday morning and i said you know it looks like rain are you guys even going to run the steeplechase and she said well actually the course needs rain and because they they put hurdles up they use the outside portion of the turf course which hasn't been used except for steeplechases the whole meet so it's actually could use some rain, she said, and it's in good shape. But the other, you know, the inner turf and the melon turf course, you know, they run a lot of turf races up here, and they could use a little bit of rain, too. Um, you know, it's been pretty firm, and uh, you can kind of tell when you get to that point where they run a turf race and you see a lot of dirt and dust flying up behind them that um, they could use a pretty, they could use a soaker one of these days. Um <laughs> You know, as far as the main track, after they renovated it um, two years ago, um, it, the drainage is great. They installed new drainage, so they can, as long as they know it's coming and they can treat the track accordingly, um, you know, it drains really well, and uh, so we haven't really had any issues with that during the meet at all. Yeah. Well, let's uh, look back at last weekend, and uh, the big news is Scott Stormy, for the second time in three years, wins the four-star Dave, and uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that she's back and she's really good, but also that she really, really likes Saratoga. Um, she had two fifth place finishes coming into Four Star Dave um, in 
2019, she became the first female horse to win this race in 35 runnings. Um, and then she finished second in the race last year and um, came back this year. People were kind of writing her off a little bit, and she wound up winning by a length and a half. It's a very, very popular victory for the fans because they always love it when when a, a filly or a mare beats uh, male horses. Um, there's just kind of like that gender dynamic going on there that appeals to people. So it was a very popular popular victory with um, the fans here. And, um, and it's good to see her back. She's six years old. She's a, she's a mare now. This is going to be her last season, we think. And uh, just to see her kind of come back and win this big race, great one at Saratoga. She won two years ago in track record time, by the way. Uh, two years ago, she ran very fast time on Saturday as well. Um, just kind of one of those performances for the meet that um, will kind of linger for a long time in your memory banks. It will for me, for sure. Yeah. What does this mean for the Breeders' Cup, then? Is that was uh, under, I guess, under question. Uh, yeah, she's, they're, they're definitely going to the mile instead of the turf. They tried the turf sprint last year because he, doesn't, he didn't really like the turf conditions at Keeneland. doesn't really suit that stormy. But um, they're back in California at Del Mar this year, so they should have a firm turf course. So she's going to try against the males uh, in the mile again. Um which uh, trainer Mark Cassie has never been afraid to, to send his female horses uh, against the males in, in the bigger turf races. Um, Teppin did it a few years ago. And um, Scott Stormy's going to run in a, a big state at Kentucky Downs in September, and that will kind of bridge the gap between the Forest Guard Dave and the Breeders' Cup. Um, but he, uh, Mark Cassie said, you know, who knows? If she was the Breeders' Cup mile, and that, that Maybe lock up, lock up a Hall of Fame induction for God Stormy um, because of everything she's done, which uh, she really has a tremendous career and a lot of it here at Saratoga. Yeah. Well, off the track, we had some uh, some breaking news on Sunday with the uh, trainer Todd Pletcher getting COVID. Uh, I mean, how shocking was that? Um, it was kind of, I mean, these days, I'm not shocked by anything when it comes to COVID. And um, I know we've been doing a good job of keeping it buckled down around here like last year granted there were no fans but you know the, the backstretch can be a little different situation and they got through the saratoga meet last year with, without any problems um because it was such a big name and he just got inducted into the hall of fame and um you know that, that kind of gives you a little bit of wow factor where you, you know you can't you're like this wasn't just like some anonymous backstretch worker this is like the biggest guy on the ground yeah. as far as trainers go um but shocked that like again i'm not shocked by anything with covid it's like it won't go away and every time you hear about somebody you're like well yeah okay that you know yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to some degree so um he'll, he's supposed to be back to work on thursday this week um apparently he just had some allergy symptoms that he thought he is vaccinated uh he had some allergy symptoms that he thought were allergies and then he went someone else that he works with uh, i guess tested positive so he went and got the test and and he came back positive too but um but he's supposed to be back to work on thursday so we'll check in on him yeah so uh, let's look ahead you, you mentioned at the top here about the alabama and the rematch uh, from the cca uh, cca oaks yeah and um this race is expected to draw a deeper field. Uh, in this Punching Club American Oaks, Malathot pretty much scared a lot of people away because she was undefeated. Um, and, and she just got 
the word hounded is in the um, Equibase chart for that race. Um, like a couple of horses took turns of like really um, pressuring her all the way around the track, and, and I already mentioned, you know, memorable performances at this meet. Hers was one of them, and she didn't even win. Um, Maracuja, the longest shot on the board at fourteen to one, wound up winning um, by a head. And she just got up in like the last two strides. So Mal thought admirably almost pulled off the, the victory anyway, despite everything, all the pressure she had just um, weather throughout the race, throughout the Oaks. Um, so, but the field will be a little deeper, so maybe she won't have to encounter that kind of um, scenario, and, and it might set up for Malathot to get back on a winning track. Um, in the meantime, Maracuja, uh, I talked to her trainer, Rob Hattress, Wednesday morning, and um, yeah, they, that was his first grade one as a head trainer, so it was a huge moment for them. His wife said she still gets goosebumps when she thinks about it. Um, they beat a great horse, Malathot, in doing so. Um, and they're coming right back in the Alabama. Um, right now, uh, they're, they're, they're drawing the Alabama after this. we're taping this, but um, the field is expected to include Arnie Wife, Clarier, who ran in the uh, Oaks. Crazy Beautiful, Malathot, Maracuja, Platehart, and Will Secret. Crazy Beautiful is an, an interesting filly in there because she's in Kenny McPeak's barn. They wanted to run in the Coaching Club American Oath, but they couldn't because he was under quarantine for um, equine herpes virus. And uh, so she's been kind of cooling her heels over his barn. So it'll be inter- interesting to see what um, she brings to the table in this race. Um, good filly. Uh, she won the doubt. Delaware Oaks in the Summer Oaks at Santa Anita in her last two starts. Um, she did run in the Kentucky Oaks, which was run, won by Malthot, and she finished 10th. But um, came likes her, and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if she's been able to maintain her form um, despite missing that start because of the quarantine at his barn. So I, I, it, the, the overall tactics of Alabama are going to look a lot different than and the um, coaching club of American Oaks when there was just four horses and they took turns beating on Malathot. You know, they might be spreading the wealth around a little bit in the Alabama and it could set up for Malathot to, like I said, get back on the winning track. Is there any particular horse that could really upset things on in the Alabama? Um, well, I'm not sure what kind of price... Um, one horse that I was kind of interested in is Will Secret. Dallas Stewart is the trainer. He has a habit of um, sneaking in and not necessarily winning, but go- coming in with horses that are a huge price and then like blowing up the trifecta by coming in second place. Um, Will Secret has not won since the Honey Bee in March at Oakland Park. Um, she did run in the Ashland. She was third in the Kentucky Oaks, only three lengths behind Malathot. So I'm not sure what her price is going to be, but she'll be a little on the longer side. And based on that third place in the Kentucky Oaks and the fact that Dallas Stewart has a sneaky way of um, um, bringing horses in that you, you, you maybe don't expect a lot from, then they, they you know at least get into second place. I will note that she's also a daughter of Will Tate Charge, who won the Traverse back in the day. Um so maybe from a breeding standpoint, that may give her a little bit of an edge that her sire is a, is a Travers winner, which means, you know, maybe she likes a mile and a quarter, which is the distance of the Alabama and the um, and the Travers. Um, yeah, so the other thing about the Alabama is we'll, we'll see who wants that extra furlong because the Oaks is a mile and an eighth, and this is a mile and a quarter. So um, 
So that, that'll factor into whatever happens on Saturday as well. And, of course, next week uh, we'll be talking Travers. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about. We still have the Central Quality out there who um, won the Jim Dandy earlier in the meeting. We're going to, you know, he's kind of the malathot of the male division, uh, you know, the one that everybody wants and needs to, to knock off. He's the one to beat. Um, it'd be cool to see what the field looks like. Again, another Kenny McPeak um, special. Pink Fury is a horse that I've been waiting to see him run in the Travers. He ran that turf stakes a few weeks ago because he missed the gym dandy like crazy beautiful miss, you know, the Oaks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what things you're doing there. But we'll, we'll have a better idea what this field looks like uh, when, when we get back at it next week. Well, Mike, appreciate it uh, once again. You can follow Mike's coverage of the uh, Saratoga meet on Twitter at Mike underscore McAdam and, of course, at DailyGazette.com and a print edition. Mike, thanks again, and uh, stay dry up there. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ken. It's not really, it's looking gray, but it's not really raining right now. I thought, you know, you can never figure out. It's like, well, I'll believe it when I see you kind of thing, or I'll expect the storm to come blast. Yeah, man, yeah, it's just kind of like yeah, dead air it, up here. Yeah, I found it amazing. We poured here down in Schenectady last week, a couple of days, and didn't even ramp in Saratoga. I was, you know, looking at the results, there's like no... You know, muddy or uh, conditions is like okay. That was a strange reversal of what it usually is. Usually, Schenectady is fine, and Saratoga gets clobbered. They, they had one blow through here, but it didn't last long, and it didn't really, you know, have too much impact on the racing for sure. Um, you know, it, it happened um, in the middle of the card, and uh, but really, usually they get bombed a lot worse up here than down in Schenectady. So it's kind of a weird, uh, a little bit of reverse scenario there last. Can't figure out the weather these days anyway. Anyway, Mike, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, thanks a million, Ken. All right, that's Mike McAdam. Coming up, I'll talk with Albany Empire head coach Tom Minaz. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, Saratoga horse racing fans. Have a chance to win a $50 gift card by playing the Daily Gazette's Saratoga Pick 7. Here's what you do. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racetrack and win the $50 gift card. To play, go to pick7.dailygazette.com and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. What's up, everybody? This is Albany Empire wide receiver Malachi Jones, and you're listening to the Parting Shot Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Welcome back to the podcast. Last Saturday, the Albany Empire won their second straight championship. They beat the Columbus Lions 79 62 to capture the National Arena League title. And that came two years after winning the final Arena Football League championship. Here's the head coach of the Empire, Tom Minaj. Tom, welcome to, back to the podcast, and congratulations. It's got to be a big thrill. Uh, yes, thanks for having me on, Kenny. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, just real honored and humbled by it all at this point. 
Well, yeah, what was it like Saturday night you know, to, to you know, celebrate and you know, win a title in your first year as a head coach and for the Empire the first year in this uh, this league? Well, I mean, um, I, I was trying to explain to somebody the other day, and, and championships are, are to be celebrated no matter where they're at. Um, you know, if you're a high school football player or coach and you win a state, you know, it, it feels a certain way. College feels a certain way. Uh, professional feels a certain way. And I've been fortunate enough to win a few of those. And I will tell you, um, they never get, um, I don't know, I guess the board is they never aren't as special. They're, they're always a special day. It's uh, There's something about a championship game that, you know, from preparation, the week of preparation, to the game itself, to uh, the post game. You know, it's memories. We get rings and we get big trophies and all that kind of stuff, but it's really the memories you create out of those experiences. Yeah, what was the year like for you guys? Being seven and one in the regular season and uh, yeah, the two and zero in the playoffs. How special was this year for you? I'm just pissed we lost to Jacksonville. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> they were. Oh yeah, yeah. that that that, that pro- I, I'm telling you, that's already on my board. You know, we we should have went ten and zero this year. Um, and, and, um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from what we accomplished, of course, but, you know, one of those trap games and we didn't, we didn't prepare, we didn't coach well, we didn't play well, we didn't travel well, um, you know, so I look at things as not by what we accomplished, but what we didn't accomplish to get ready for 2022. And and that's probably the biggest thing, uh, as far as like, uh, when I think about after the game, you know, I, I, I'm not kidding you. I was thinking about Jacksonville. Wow. And, I got, and I said, I can't believe we lost that football game, you know. It's amazing, but, it's amazing to me, I mean, in talking to players and coaches, not the wins you, a lot of people remember. It's those, those frustrating losses. I mean, I mean, I'm a Philly fan. I get frustrated the way they're playing right now. They lose to Arizona Monday night in a game against a team right. that's uh, 40 games under 500. And, uh, I mean, why is that? Why, why do you think that is? That, uh, it's the losses that uh, – you know, weigh on you more than the wins. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, first of all, to be in professional sports, um, you, sh- you know, one of the mantras that we're always preaching is strive for perfection, right? That, let's have a perfect damn turnovers in this game. Let's, you know, execute at our highest level. Let's be the best versions of ourselves. And when you when you have a loss, uh, unless that team is just way better than you and they just come out and they just beat the snot out of you, then that you can almost accept. But um, when you know you're better than somebody and you lose to somebody because of the way you performed or prepared, um, I think that's the biggest thing. Losses, you know, you're, you're not going to ever be, you know, I, I mean, there's what been one undefeated team in the history of the NFL, and that was what the Dolphins yeah. way back when, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, you know, I was fortunate enough. I was when I played for the Lions. I was coached by Monty Clark, who was uh, actually a coach on that team. And he showed me the ring, and he's you know on it. It said perfect, and all this. You know, it's great. You know, and the next year they came out, they lost the game. You know, <laughs> and so it, it doesn't last. You know, if you play long enough, you're going to lose football games. Um, but you try to be perfect. You try, you you, you do everything, You your preparation. I, I was explaining this to a media person the other day uh, in an interview. I said, you know, 
I, I brought up Damon Ware, who's our offense coordinator. And I was trying to explain to a player, he was saying, well, how come I didn't get to do this or how come I didn't do that? Coach Ware was sitting there and I said, you know what? I could use me as an example. I'll use Coach Ware. Coach Ware lives in Texas. He's away from his wife. He's away from his son. For four and a half months, we're doing this. We're in the office 10, 12, 15 hours a day. And we're doing it so you can win a ring, so you can be successful, so you can have these opportunities. We're preparing a game plan so you can execute it on Saturday. We don't throw one. T- we don't throw one pass. We don't like one tackle. We don't do any of that. So when you lose, it reminds you that you're away from your family. It reminds you that you're missing your son's first football game. It reminds you that you're doing all those things as a coach, as a player. It should remind you that you're you're sacrificing your body. You're sacrificing being away from your family, sacrificing all those things. So winning takes. It doesn't make it make you forget those people who support you, but it makes it a little bit easier for us to come to work the next day and do what we do. And um, that's the biggest thing about it is there's so much sacrifice involved in winning a championship. Um, So the reward gets really grandiose, you know, because now you, you can include all those people in helping you get to where you were. Tom Minaj joining us here on the uh, Parting Shots podcast, uh, celebrating the Albany Empire's uh, championship uh, in the Norton, uh, National Arena League. Uh, I'm reading Bob Weiner's article from the game on Saturday, and it, it seemed like it was like everybody was scoring the defense. Neither team was stopping. And you said something to your team at halftime. You said, you said I told them, don't have any regrets tomorrow. Did they take that to heart in that second half? I think so. I, I think they did, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll share a private moment with your listeners. You know, um, Sony, who was playing in the in the back on top there for our defense in the middle, um, you know, he had a rough first half, a very rough first half. Now, here's a consummate pro, a team leader, and everything. And and my biggest fear was I, you know, had to do a brief 15-second interview with Jeff Levesque on the field before, right at the end of halftime, and I was going to go into my biggest fear. I was going to walk in our locker room and see these guys beat each other up, offense against defense, because offense played perfect. And I walked in there, and they were, don't worry, man, we're going to be okay, and they're talking to each other and reassuring each other. I just said, don't make tomorrow about regrets. I said, because you're going to remember it, it's going to kill you. It's going to be Jacksonville all over again. Multiply. You know, you're going to regret our performance. So we came out on the field and we were trickling out for halftime. And I grabbed Sony and I pulled him close to me and I said, I wouldn't take a million dollars for you right now. You're the guy who's going to be put on a show that is going to shock the country of what we're about ready to accomplish. And sure enough, that kid looked at me, gave me a big hug, went out there and played probably the best second half of football I've ever seen a person play who went through a first half like that. So uh, just one of those proud coaching moments, one of those proud team moments to watch these guys rally behind each other. You know, I told them flat out, it goes as we go. We lose, we lose together. If we win, we win together. But they stepped up. Uh, There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There was no flipping tables. These are pros. You don't have to do that. We made the adjustments we needed to make. But the players that we supported, they got us to where we were. Need to get 
across the finish line, and they did it. Yeah. And then Malachi Jones, who was the uh, all-world in the uh, Arena Football League uh, with the Empire, gets five touchdowns in uh, Saturday's game and ends up being the game MVP. Uh, he came He came in on midseason, and what was he like, and uh, what about his performance on Saturday? Well, Malachi gives you a couple things. Malachi gives you the locker room guy who is constantly supportive and leadership. He gives you the, um, the character guy who is in your community and does everything that you would ask any player to represent the brand in that way. And then he gives you outstanding performance on the field. And the thing that I think we're all, as a coaching staff, we were all happiest about was that Malachi, who had just come off, you know, uh, we came off COVID year and he was getting ready to go to Canada and then decided to come with us, hadn't really gotten uh, on-field work like he would have when he first came to us. So the first couple games, he was getting his feet back on the ground. And then um, to see him be at championship form for the last game of the season is just, I mean, we were just so happy. Because that's the Malachi we knew. You know, and we saw it practice. And we saw, so to have him do that on a big stage, uh, I think everyone was just thrilled for him. I know Tommy was thrilled for him. I know uh, Darius Prince was thrilled for him. Uh, Phil Brantley was thrilled for him because they had all had their moments. He hadn't had his moment yet uh, this year. And to have that moment on the biggest stage was really nice. You know, it was great. We were all happy for him. You mentioned COVID. Uh, how happy are you? were you to get through the year? No games canceled or postponed and uh, basically get away, uh, play a full season. Well, I'll tell you what, if the fans knew what I knew, <laughs> it was such a go there. Um, we we dealt with a lot of different adversities. You know, uh, first of all, we had to follow COVID protocol, and which is fine. I'm all about it. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, you know, a lot of the coaches are fully vaccinated. I think a handful of players are vaccinated, and some just choose not to. Right, and yeah. we don't have a mandate that says if you don't, if you're not vaccinated, you can't play. So we would go places, and they'd say, "Oh, we had a COVID outbreak here." You know, one or a coach from the other team got COVID, and we're like, "Oh my God!" We'd go into lockdown, go into bubble, you know, and then we would travel someplace, and we'd have to make sure what their protocols were, uh, doing those kinds of things. You know, <clears throat> Columbus, good franchise, great franchise, been around 15 years. Uh, they know how to do it, right? Yeah. And we get there, and they're only allowed, like, 20% in the arena. And, and I just found that just crazy because two weeks earlier, we were at, you know, we were in um, Florida, and they were at 100% capacity with no masks. Mm-hmm. And yet you're in Columbus, Georgia, and you can't, you know, only have 20%. So teams really struggled this year, I mean, I know the ownership around the league probably lost a tremendous amount of money due to this. Um, everything was tighter. Travel was tighter. You know, where we stayed, where we ate, who we, you know, who we associated with. When guys would go home on bye week, we would have to remind them that, you know, don't be, you have to be careful because then you come back and infect the whole team. And I talked to other coaches around the country in college and pros that are friends of mine. And you hear the horror stories how they lost the whole season because, you know, seven or eight guys on the team got COVID. 
you know, or they were exposed, and so they had to go into quarantine for 14 days, and they had to forfeit, and guys lost their jobs, and so, yes, was it a, was it a hassle? Yes. Were we blessed by grace? Absolutely, because thank the good Lord we didn't get one COVID case, yeah. and, that, and that, that to me is ridiculous that we got out alive the way we did. <laughs> what about for next year? Are you looking forward to 2022? Yeah, you know, we already started. Of course, you know me, I'm not, I'm not used to doing anything where I get a lot of time. So, you know, one guy asked me yesterday, he says, what are you doing today? Because uh, I was in the office uh, Monday. and I was actually in the office Sunday, too, for a minute. But I was in the office Monday, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm signing players. I'm getting guys, I'm getting the roster ready. And he's like, well, you know, you got six months now. And I said, yeah, I do my best work in like 10 days. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's a little different now, too. You know, Kenny, what, what's going on is that I probably got, I don't, and I'm being real here, probably 50 calls in the last 48 hours of players that want to come here and play now. You know, mm-hmm. so I got agents texting me. I've got players that are from, you know, all around the country that are saying, hey, we want to be there. So it was a little different than our first inaugural season under the NAL where we had to convince people to come here uh, to a certain degree. Now we don't have to do any convincing. We're, you know, we're legit. We're going to be here. You know, and our goal is simple in 2022 is repeat. You know, it's always going to be that way, at least as long as I'm head coach. I'm not content with, hey, let's put on a good effort, you know, we don't win at all. We didn't have a good year. So um, we're preparing for another championship in 2022, and we're going to build our roster and our staff accordingly. You're going to see some changes, but I think they're very good changes. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to do some things differently as we move forward. So, Well, looking forward to the next year already. It's uh, can't, can't wait, and it's, uh, hopefully uh, the fans will come back again like they did this year and have, enjoy the, the experience. Oh, thanks. And we did too. Yep. You know, um, we all got to know each other. The, the capital region, the city of Albany, uh, I mean, for a stranger coming in, uh, nobody knew me, nobody knew my name, nobody knew my resume or what I've done in the past, um, and they accept me the way they did and welcome me, my family, into the community. Um, I'm just really excited about 2022 because now um, I think they're going to really stand behind us and we're going to fill that place. Well, Tom, I appreciate all the time you've given me over the the season and I look forward to uh, talking to you in 2022. Please stay safe. And uh, before I let you go, who do you like in the NFL this year? Oh, I'm going with my Lions, man. I'm a Detroit Lion all, all the way, all day. I'll never change. I mean, I've got I've got friends and, and colleagues that are with the Chiefs, and and uh, now my one of my I, I don't want to say students, but one of the guys I helped, uh, Eric Fisher. Now he's with the Colts, so I'm always going to wish him well. Um, you know, so there, we have guys scattered around, but my heart's always going to be. Detroit Lions, uh, Cone, you know, I was with a Cleveland Browns fan yesterday, and I said, yeah, we kind of feel the same way, don't we? And he said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we can't change. We love who we love. Well, right? Jared Goff's their new quarterback now, so I mean, that's, that, that's going to be a big change after Matthew Stafford was there for almost, what, 10, 10 11 years? 
10, 11 years, yeah. I mean, you know, we've had some great talent. When I was there, we had Billy Sims, and, you know, then all of a sudden now, you know, we had the Calvin Johnsons and, of course, the Barry Sanders, and we've had great individual performers. Um, I would take a group of non-All-Stars that just play together well at this point, you know. Um, so I'm hopeful that that blue-collar Detroit Lions attitude kicks in. And Because and, uh, I'll tell you what, if they ever had success, this, that town would go crazy. Yeah, they haven't been to a Super Bowl since the inception of the, the game. And it's been a while since they won an NFL championship, so we'll see what happens. Sounds good, Kennedy. All right, Tom, appreciate it once again. Thank you, buddy. That's Take care now. You, you, Go Empire. Yeah, here, thanks, Tom. That's Tom and Oz. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. The NASCAR season is here. And it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by 2nd Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to DailyGazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 23 winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is Chris Krasbowski of Scotia. Chris wins a $50 grocery gift card. Congratulations, Chris. The VIP winner was Anthony Manning of Colonial Car Wash. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contests and promotions. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Mike McAdam and Tom Minaz for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers, I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, 
Good day. Good sports.